We are live, people. Welcome um, back, everybody. Welcome back. We have a surprise for you. We have an, a big upgrade, as they say. Okay, okay, okay. We have individual perspectives. That's the right. press of a button. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I'm geeking out, nerding out on this. I've thing. never seen anybody so excited. He's <laughs> like, he looks like a kid in a candy store. Oh, yes, you know it. Though I got plenty of lollies for you, bro. Mm. <laughs> I don't eat after seven, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Plus, I don't give out a lollies just like that. You need to get a haircut first. Ah, oh, after, after. <laughs> okay, so what's this, this, what's this week's parsha? Um, you tell me. First of all, I totally clickbaited this video. Click who? Clickbait. I did clickbait. You know what clickbait is? No. Clickbait is when you write a title that's really catchy. At least I think it was catchy. And then people click on it because it was catchy. Okay. What did you put in? I wrote, did, was there ever contact with the lost 10 tribes? What do you mean, was there any contact? Since the, the 10 tribes were lost, quote unquote, did we ever have any contact with them? You mean the fact that nobody knows where the 10 tribes are now? Exactly. Well, technically they did. Didn't they lose, or didn't all the tribes lose contact, which is why there was no, which is why all of them went to different regions of the world? Yeah, so in general, there was no contact. Right. But there were few times in history where there. Right, when, when Yerushalmi was, was written and, and uh, the two different Gemaras that were written, that was the only contact they had, no? No, that's not. That's, that's, no, they both knew about each other. We're talking okay. about, yeah, that's something else. But there was the story of Akdamas on Shavuos. Okay. Um, but anyway, we're, we're going ahead of ourselves. So let's, yes, let's yes. first start with... All right, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Hopefully you find these videos uh, informative and... Entertaining. It's Parshas for A. And uh, let's get right into it with our intro. What tribe was it that left Egypt early and then they perished? Uh, and then they were brought back. Was, was it, it not Manashe? I think it was one of the tribes. I think, of course, it was one of the tribes. I think it was either Manashe or Ephraim, but I don't remember, actually. I always thought it was Manashe. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Um, sucks. So let me see if I could see. The, uh, I feel like I forgot something. Um, one second. Oh, here, chat. Let's go put the chat in the thing. Oh, yep, we got it. We got, we got a, we have a friend of mine who's viewing. Thank you so much. Um, okay, anyway, let's get into it. So, one of the first things that we're going to talk about in this parasha, parasha A, talks about many things, but one of the things it says, it's very, very interesting. It says the words, it talks about Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Hashem The land that the eyes of Hashem, your God, is always on it. They're always uh, looking, right? Hashem is always looking, watching over this, this uh, place, this, this land. From the beginning till the end. 
There's something very interesting. First of all, Rashi says that what does that mean? One of the interpretations of what that means is that he's saying that um, Rashis, sorry, he says that, that, that at the beginning of the year, you're already going to know what's going to happen at the end. That Hashem right. already judges from the beginning of the year what's going to happen at the end of it. And so what's very, very interesting about that is that there's, if you look at the words Rashis, most of the times when, when, when you have the word Rashis, Rashis, there's an Aleph between the Rash and the Shin. Okay. But this one is skipping the Aleph. So it's just Rash, Shin, Yud, and Saf. And, it, and what's very interesting about that, it also has the same letters as Tishrei. Okay. Now, listen to this. It says that from Tishrei to Tishrei, Hashem judges, from Rosh Hashanah, right? Hashem judges what a person is going to make that year. Whatever a person is going to make, it's already set, set aside, correct? Mm -hmm. So, except for four things. You probably know what. Tzedakah. Well, Tzedakah Hashem pays back. Right. That's something else. But there are certain spendings that don't count as right. what you're going to get. What is it? You come on, you got it. The, the, um, the money you spend or anything you spend when it comes to for, for Shabbos. Exactly. That's separate. Exactly. Uh, believe the money you spend for your kids, for your yeshiva. Correct. Tara, yeah, yeah. Uh, the third one was, I don't know what the, the other two are. So, so it's actually, what's so interesting, it's actually the acronyms of the words Tishrei or Rashis. The same exact letters. It's, so let's do Tishrei. Torah, which is giving your kids an education. Mm -hmm. Then there's uh, Shin, is Shabbos. Okay. Reish is Reish Chaydesh. Okay, okay, okay. And then yeah. Yud is Yom Tev. Okay. The Chagim. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So basically, and, and it's like a, the Chida brings down is like kind of like a, it's like a cool slogan. It's like from Tishrei to Tishrei, everything is set up except for Tishrei. Chutz mi Tishrei. Mm -hmm. Except for these four things, or Reishis, right? So in the Pasuk, it's already hinted that because it skips the Aleph, it's already hinted that these four things are not included in what Hashem is going to uh, give at the beginning of the year. Pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, let's see what else we got over here. Let's talk about... Ah. So it says... I found this very, very interesting. It says like this. That... You're, what are we supposed to do to the to the altars and to the different things that they that the non-Jews do for their gods, for their You're idol worship. Destroy them. Destroy it all, right? You're supposed right. to shatter it, destroy it and everything. And then at the end, of the, that's what it says in the Pasuk, right? And then at the end it says, that to, a, to our God, to Hashem, obviously we have to do the opposite. We have to honor it. We're not supposed to do those things. Mm -hmm. And so it's very interesting. He brings down in this in this Sefer, it's her place, Atera, mm -hmm. which is right over here, that... Um, the, t talking about you know broken stones breaking down altars says that the the stones of the Beis Hamikdash that were broken they were Hashem spread them throughout the earth and wherever they're spread out eventually a, a shul is going to be built there. Oh wow! Yeah, that explains why so many shuls are all all over each state you look at. I mean, look at it. But also why every shul is called a a mikdash mat. Uh huh. It's called a, a mini temple. Right, 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 right. Because it actually has the Shekhinah of Chuch Hashem comes down and it, it, it reflects on it. 
It actually has, no, has actually actually has a piece of the base of English. It's a very very interesting thing that it says over here. And um, wow. And uh, he, and he he also mentions that that makes sense why it says that every shul is going to eventually be brought every bit every every bit Knesset is going to be brought and to and connected to the Beis HaMikdash. So since the Beis HaMikdash is going to be restored, so therefore all the shuls which are built on top of those things are also going to come and be restored. So that means the rest of the world will not have left any shul? Well, when Mashiach comes, it, well, there's a lot of things are going to happen when Mashiach comes, but that's an interesting question. Now, the rest of the, the whole world is going to become uh, one. Here we have we have a guest over here. <laughs> What's up? Can I join? Yeah, yeah. We have to figure out a. I don't know. Yeah, no, right now, no you're not, fee. Only for today. Come right now, you're not on the camera though. Come, 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 no, come, come. There's no way I'm going to. I just I have to go home. I said stop by. I passed by literally to. I said I come visit. Okay, so come. Go call in everybody. Come say hello. I'm watching. Oh, he's what we have. We have a live. He's viewer. camera shy. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, now, another thing that it says, though, the, the, uh, the, the person who wrote the Sefer, Rabbi Zevav Zicherman, he's very close to the, to the Rebbe of Munkach. So he said this, what's up? Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. All right, we'll see you. <laughs> nice of you to join us. <laughs> so, um, he said this to, in front of the Rebbe of Munkach, and the Munkach Rebbe said like this. He said that in Parshas Pikudei in Zayar, it says something incredible. It says that in the in the uh, in in, in Zayar, it says that the stones of the base of Mikdash were never destroyed. Actually, and and it also says in the Gemara, it says that in the, even the keys. To the base a heavenly hand came down and took them from the from the young people of, of the of the young Kohanim. Right, right, right. So, so there was a story. So then, what happened? So what was destroyed? There's nothing there. So it says that there were actually demons that came, and, and so Hashem took them away and hid them, took the stones and hid them, and the de and demons came and brought other stones, just so that the 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 wicked people who destroyed the base Hamikdash should think that, that they destroyed. they have power and they destroyed it. But really, God took it away and, and preserved it, which is incredible. But now the problem with that is these two these two things, these two things of the base of the broken parts of the base of Mikdash, and that Hashem took them away, they contradict each other. Mm -hmm. So he says that what you could say is that there were already stones of the base of Mikdash. What are you guys? Huh? This is a barbershop. This is a barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. Open now. Close already. Come tomorrow. 10 o'clock. What time? 10 o'clock. Okay. All right, thank you. All right. From now on, if people interrupt us, we say you have to, now you have to come and participate. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, so, um, basically, so, so, so in the times of the Maccabim, times of the Chashmei Noim, mm -hmm. they brought... Uh, unholy sacrifices on the Mizbech and they had to break them. So what's possible is that the broken pieces and, and, they, and they stored it in a certain room because it was still holy but it was 
it was violated, it was, you know, mm -hmm. it was made impure. So you could say is that Hashem took those broken pieces and put them all around the world, but, the, but when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, that was never touched and that was put away. So it's an interesting way to... Now we're talking about the first Beis HaMikdash or we're talking about the second? I imagine, I imagine the second. I'm imagining a second, but I'm not sure. How many altars were there? Well, again, they had to break one because that one was impure. There was only, there was, there was one altar in the inside. There was Mizbeach HaKteris. That's where they brought the incense, the Kteris. That was gold. That was covered in gold. And then the one outside... You're talking about the one that they only used in Yom Kippur. No, they used it every day. Oh, okay. Um, there was a special Kteris, you that know, on Yom Kippur. Uh -huh. um, but uh, and then there was the out, outside one. So it seemed that it was the outside one that they brought. That's what they always brought. The so curtains. that was the main one. Yeah. So they had to break it and they had to build a new one. But uh, anyway, that was that was the, the one that was a ramp. That had a ramp, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was the one you were able to go on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this is what I left until the end, and this is what the uh, the. This is what the um, no. This is what the, the thumbnail was. The clickbait. There is th this week's parasha talks. It says that if you're far away from the base of Mikdash, right? Even, even meaning the what it's, it's saying is that you're able to eat meat even if you're not bringing it as a sacrifice in the base of Mikdash. You have to just you have to slaughter it properly. There's a way to slaughter it, and so um, it's brought down that about a, a little over 1,100 years ago mm -hmm. in a place called Kairouan, which is now it's in Tunisia. It's actually one of the okay. holiest sites to the Muslims, by the way. It's the fourth holiest city. They have, okay. they have Mecca, Medina, Jerusalem, and then comes Kairouan. Okay. Whatever. Anyway, so the story brought down... I only knew about Mecca. Okay. Well, because they, they decided that they, they Where want to they have that black they, alien... Uh, oh, they want to conquer the whole world, so they have to, they have to uh, mark yeah, their so. territory in everybody's territory. Mecca is where they, they have that black alien rock, right? Some, I don't know what they have, but it's, yeah, it's one of the... Um, one of the... Uh, it's, it's the holiest site. It's number one. Site, site, site. Mecca. Oh, yeah, holiest site number one. Gotcha. Um, and then the uh, what else was uh, no? So so basically, there's a story that there was a person who came to this place called Kairouan. It was that place. I don't even. It was, it, was, it was probably called. It was in North Africa, and I think it was right after like it became. It was, you know, it was conquered. Um, okay. It was taken over by by the Arabs and Muslims. I don't I don't know the exact history. I was. I did some research, but I, I wasn't able to do, go through it too deep. And uh, the, the Jewish people living there, this guy came, he said his name was Eldad Hadani. Okay. Eldad from the tribe of Dan. Uh-huh. And he said that he was part of the Ten Shvatim. And there were many rabbis who like asked him a bunch of questions like they, they thought like, it's very easy for someone to just claim they're from the ten tribes and they didn't have any contact with these people and most of the chacham and most of the rabbis in those days after asking him any questions and testing him they believed him they said that his were his he checks out okay but in so in the beginning he, he came and he said and he was teaching the people in uh kaidawan in the city 
different laws of shechita. And to the people there, it seemed like some of the things he said made sense that that was what they, what they were, that was the tradition that they had had. But then there was also some that sat, seemed like it was from the Karaites, people who didn't believe in, in the oral Torah, which is blasphemy. There are people who only believe in the, in the written law. From the time of the Mishnah already, they were tzedukim. That they didn't wait, 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 wait. There are Jews that don't believe in, in the oral law? Uh, yeah. How is that possible? Without the oral Torah, we don't have a Torah. So it's a very good question. Until until till today, um, until today, there are it's not a big group, but there are people who yeah they they have. How do they put on the filling? How do they make it filling? It's a good question. It's a good question. That that's that's where their their whole narrative falls apart. Is it a is it considered a reformed sect of Judaism? It's it's considered heresy. Absolutely, it's not. It's not accepted. It's not legitimate Judaism because they're rejecting an entire part. Because of it. in Judaism, you either accept all of Torah or you don't accept it at all. There is no picking and choosing, and that's it. Doesn't work like that. That's why it's it's so. Um, that's why it's looked down. That's, that's why they're not. No, that's why they're not considered halachically, you know, okay. following. Okay. But anyway, so because of that, they weren't sure what to do with this guy. Um, and. They sent a letter to, his name was, he was one of the Ga'inim. After the Amirayim, there were Ga'inim. Ga'inim literally means like geniuses, like. Okay. But it was basically the rabbis, right? You have the Tanoim, mm-hmm. right? You have the, let's say, Shaiftim, Malachim, like all the different eras. So you had the Tanoim, the time of the Mishnah, the Amirayim. And then shortly afterwards was the, were the, um, Amir, uh, the Ga'inim. These were the rabbis, the, the leaders of, of that generation. Um, but the base root is Tanaim, right? Tanaim were the first ones that we know of in the Mishnah. So, meaning, the Mishnah, the Oral Torah, the first time we have a a written account of that, is is from the. Uh, so that would be the the, the the oldest uh, um, established, should I say, laws and, and regulations that we have. Yes, I mean right. before that, it, it was it was it was. Every, only a few people had the laws and they taught it to everybody orally. And then it got written down. That only happened from the time of the Mishnah. Really, it was only written at the end of the time of the Mishnah from Rabbi Rabbi Hudanasi and on. Right, but from, from Moshe Rabbeinu's mouth, it went to... Yoshua, and it went in, in Pirkei Aves, in the Ramam. First, the tribe, all, all the heads of the tribes. Yeah, so... Right, yeah, meaning the people in the Sanhedrin, whoever was in charge of... of Giving it over, there's a list in the Pirkei Avais, and then also the Ramam goes really deep into it. It's very interesting to see. You see a direct, direct tradition from Ashurabeno all the way to our times. You can trace it, which is why this is why, what, why we can say that we have legitimate Judaism, because anybody else who claims differently has a broken shame, and we do not, which is why everybody else is. Uh... So if I was to do Aliyah right now and try to go to Israel, they're going to tell me to prove uh, four generations of Judaism. That's something else. That's a personal thing. But as far as, as, far as what but, we... But how would I do that? My, my parents didn't even have a legitimate ketubah, meaning our ketubah was so off. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, you're, not, that doesn't mean you're not Jewish. I just, you, it's not... How will I be able to do Aliyah? How will I be, pro- be able to prove it to them? Because you have a list of your ancestors. Also, you have an entire community who will vouch for you. There's, there's a lot of different things that... I, listen, I don't know the rules. I'm just saying... I don't think you'll have a problem. <laughs> because, because most Ashkenazim have 
that whole lineage, you know, proof of it. We don't. A lot of... Uh, a yeah, lot but, of but, but, the, but the Bukharian Jews have, and the Iranian Jews, have, we, we know that they're where they are from many, many years ago. But we don't have any documentation backing it up. That's that's so. We never actually cared about documentation. Well, it depends. Sometimes you'll need documentation. Sometimes you won't. It depends on the situation. Okay. Right. But sorry to ask your local Orthodox rabbi. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so and they they asked. Oh, his name was Rav Tzemach Goyin. Is yeah, and and he asked him what to do, and so he said, "Sorry, I didn't finish this." So he says, "It says that there's nothing wrong with it. Why? And don't wonder why." You heard something differently from from uh, from uh, Rebbe Elder. Why? Mm-hmm. Because the Chachamim. This is what you're saying. The Chachamim of Bavel and the Chachamim of Eretz Yisrael. Mm-hmm. They they. One second. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, what they were saying is that because we have a Gemara and we have a very established law, so, that, so therefore we didn't mix up. But him, because he's not in a place where they have, where they had law that was established and passed down properly, so therefore he, he made a mistake. So okay. the, meaning whatever he says that sounds like it's a mistake doesn't mean he's coming with bad intentions. It doesn't mean he's part of the Karayim. It just means that because of, you know, all of his travels and all of his hardships, he, you know, and, and because of the situation where he's in, because they don't have the same level of study and tradition that we do, therefore he made his mistakes. Um, but anyway, it, it says, he, and he's brought down, the Mordechai brings him down. Uh, Mordechai is one of the parishim on, on the Gemara. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the reason why he's brought down is because it says some very interesting things about shechita, about slaughtering. He had 10 rules for slaughtering. Okay. And these are the 10 rules. Very, very interesting. Number one, he cannot do slaughtering until he prays. He can't slaughter before he prays. So he has to pray. Number one, if he, if he, if he does the shechita, if he does the slaughtering without, uh, without saying the bracha, it's no good. If he is unclothed for whatever reason, when he does the shechita, no good. Okay. If he's drunk, no good. Um, if he doesn't have a head covering, no good. But all those apply today now as well? Not necessarily. What do you mean? No. Hold on. How, how many moels do you know that could come out, didn't pray yet, but I'm going to slaughter now? Shochet, shochet. I mean shochet, sorry. Yeah. How, how many do you know, I didn't pray today, but I'm going to slaughter an animal? Not acceptable. Okay, so we're going to talk about that, but but we're talking about letter of the law. To say something is not kosher, meaning there are certain laws that are required. Okay. To 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 slaughter. The only things that are required is if I if I had the right intentions, right? right. I had the right intentions, and I did whatever it is. So I did it. It's kosher, right? If I do a bro- let's say, I don't know. Let's say. What I'm saying is all the things that you just mentioned. You technically, if you're the if you're the person who's responsible to to slaughter an animal and make sure it's kosher, you have to follow all those things, anyways. 
Right, meaning none of us would want the person who slaughters for us to not do these things. Right, of but, course. But, but he's saying something deeper. He's saying it's not, you can't eat it. He's saying that it's like, it's not okay. But I agree. Think about no, it. A person, oh, okay. no, no, you, have, you, have a to, person, you have to separate, you have to compartmentalize. Okay, a person who is not dressed and does something like this, are you really going to eat from that meat? First of all, a person who didn't pray yet, what are the chances that, that he's going to slaughter this animal and it's going to be kosher? Or, or What I'm saying is, if I'm the one who purchased this, this, uh, this uh, animal and I want him to slaughter it, but he's either not dressed well or he doesn't have a head covering or he didn't pray yet, what kind of kavana do I expect him to have? You understand what I mean? Do I want to ch take a chance for him to slaughter my animal because he didn't even pray yet? You, right. You, you get where I'm coming from? It's just not right to do to take a, up any of these undertakings without you praying or you, you without you being uh, covered decently or having a yarmulke on. It, it just goes to show me your head is not where it's supposed to be. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Um, it's almost like somebody who's writing a mezuzah. Yeah. He can't think of other things. He has to have his mind there. And he can't, all, all of a sudden, he woke up today in the morning, he wants to write a mezuzah or, or start writing a mezuzah. No, first pray, go to a mikvah. Do, there are steps you need to take. Otherwise, why would, I, why would I come to you? How can I trust you? Right. What I'm saying is, all those things that he mentioned, they apply today. We don't have to have a beta migdash in order for you to, to, to go through those checklists. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but okay, I, I, I think everyone's, everyone would agree, but the question is to say it's not kosher. I'll give you an example, okay? Let's, I'll give you an example. Let's say there's, there's food at a wedding, right? Okay. Let's say you have food at a wedding and... And there's no mashgiach inside. No, 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 no. Would you eat? I'm not saying, I'm no, saying, okay. let's, say, let's say you had food at a wedding. Okay. And all of a sudden you find out that what happened with this food, um, what happened with this food, the guy who, sh who shechted it didn't pray. Now, you're talking about thousands of dollars. So what's the halacha of this food? Can it be eaten? It's a very different question now, right? Yeah, yeah, but it also it also depends on how machmir you are when it comes to that. Okay, so he was saying throw it all out. Okay. Okay. So that's that's and, and that's why the halacha all these things not necessarily do we do we keep. Now, if you're going to talk about let's say how machmir you are and what people you know, for example, when it comes to chassidim shechita, chassidim are very careful um, that I mean I know for sure that in chabad circles they go to mikvah beforehand every day, regardless of what we'll see. That's one of the rules, but not always. Davening, even learning Hasidus, learning something spiritual before prayers, a whole list of things because we obviously want, because this is something, only, it's only between the, the Shochet and God who really knows what's going on there, right? So, so you really want someone who really fears God for real. That's why all these prerequisites are there, which is also why, we, you know. Right, what you're saying is he's being a little extreme. There are exceptions. I mean... By saying that it's not kosher completely, he's being a little extreme. Um, it, it is very extreme, yeah. I would say it is very extreme. Okay. Um, but, but anyway, so let's, let's continue. 
um, he says, oh, so, and this is the next thing about mikvah. If let's say he had an emission, mm-hmm. so let's say a person was you know, with his wife or even if he had a mistake, mm-hmm. and then he didn't go to the mikvah beforehand and he shechted, throw it out, right? And that's for sure not the halacha. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, we just said that people are careful to make sure that the meat, right, the heksher, the, the that, that, you know, quote unquote, is going to be, um, you know, it's supposed to be where they go to make for every single day. Mm-hmm. And then it also says that uh, someone who's mourning, he can't shecht when he's an avel, when he's mourning. Okay. Um, somebody can't have, if let's say he's sterile, his okay. shechita is, is uh, not allowed, which is very interesting because that's nothing he can control. But yeah. again, and then he says also anyone who's over 80 years old, that makes sense because of the handshaking. Okay. And then he says also if somebody is not 18 years old yet, if he's under 18 years old also, he shouldn't uh, shecht. And then this is brought down from the Mordechai and he it says... It actually says 18? Yeah. Okay. He says these are all chumras and we, we don't, it's not our minhag. But it just shows the importance of having, um, the importance of having, uh, you know, really, being really careful about who shechts for meat, you know? Um, but anyways, I found it really, really interesting to see that, that, that it seems that there was a real connection between this person who, um, who, who was from the Ten Shvatim, who somehow made it from wherever he was and found Jewish communities elsewhere in North Africa. And there was real, you know, it was real contact. And, um, I, you know, in general, like it's, it's shrouded in mystery. So I thought that was really interesting. That was pretty cool. Yeah. What about you, man? Anything? Well, about a week ago, I had a guy come in here, and he was claiming he was Jewish. Okay. And he asked for some tzedakah. All right. And so I didn't have any change, so I only had a $20 bill. And I was going to give him the $20 bill. And then I asked for confirmation. I said, are you really Jewish? He said, yes. And so I said, say shma. Oh, he looked dead in my eyes and he said, Shma. <laughs> and I look at him. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. What did you just say? I'm like, say Shma. He says Shma again. And I said, dude, just walk away. You're not Jewish, man. Who are you, who are you lying to? <laughs> Three times I asked him to say Shma. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're, that's funny. Oh, God. <laughs> it was hilarious, bro. Three times I tell him, say Shma. He says, Shma. And then I said, no, say Shma. He says, Shma. <laughs> And I said, say the whole Shema. He looks at me, he's like, Shema. And I was like, you're not Jewish, bro. It's not, it's not even like, it's not even like, I, like I've given, you, we give charity to whoever we can, but like, don't, don't. Right, don't it was. Just... Front. But here, okay, but, I mean, the chances, it is possible that someone's Jewish doesn't know Shema, but it, it's. Come on, bro. What? Come on, there are people who haven't put on tillin in their life when they're 60 years okay, old. Okay, but, but you know that you don't know, or you would at least say, I'm sorry, bro, I don't know it. But I'm right. Jewish, you know. Oh, you're saying he was trying to... Pre- yeah, yeah, don't okay. try to pretend, like, seriously. And then I was like, wow, it's a good thing I checked them out, you know? Because then I would have felt like a, like a chump. Yeah. Oh, so actually, this is a good point, because my brother's bringing this, and I, I, I totally... My brother, is, he's commented. It, it seems that this is also the laws in the base Hamikdash. The laws of the Shechita. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that someone who's, let's say, a Saris, someone who can't have children, it's like a mum, it's, it's a... It's a blemish. 
But I think he was also talking about in general. So I don't know. But I mean, I would have to look more into this whole story of Eldad Hadid. So even worse, anybody who's doing any of these things in Beit HaMikdash, any of the five things that he mentioned, if right. he didn't do them, then how could you right. possibly allow these so people it's, to so do these So then it's not, no, so it's, it's, it's not, it, I think he's extending it to even not in the Beit HaMikdash. That's what I think it is. Because... Because the basic English has much more laws, right? So I'll give you a small example. One second, one second. I want to, because I, what I said doesn't make any sense. It's not in the basic English, because the basic English has so many more restrictions. Right. But, so in Uzbekistan, but it's interesting, the Balmo. It, it's very similar to what we're talking about. Okay. In Uzbekistan, it was very hard to find uh, kosher meat. Mm -hmm. So we had maybe one or two guys that would slaughter animals. And they would usually have a humongous beard. And they were religious, you know, they would go to shul, pray three times a day, this right. and that. There were some that were considered, you know, uh, actors. Okay. And so whenever we slaughtered an animal, my parents would say, go and find this guy to, to, for him to come to our house to slaughter an animal. Hmm. So there was a guy that was closer, which was like two blocks away. But my, my grandparents were like, he's... Sometimes he comes to pray, sometimes he doesn't. <laughs> You're keeping you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So go to the other guy, which is further away, but mm -hmm. get him. Why? Because my grandfather was like, hey, man, every time I'm in shul, he's there. Right. Every time, I, you know, I'm late. Um, uh, whenever I'm there, regardless of when it is, he's there. He's genuine. You call this guy. You know what I mean? So yeah. the same thing goes over here. You know a guy that sometimes he prays, sometimes he doesn't. How can you possibly put 100% of your trust in a person that you don't know? You, want, you, you understand what I mean? You want, you want a top G doing this. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, because, because it's so strict. You yeah. don't want to eat non-kosher food. No, no. When it, listen, when it comes to someone, any, anything that, that, anyone that's in a position of affecting the public on that type of scale and in something that important, there's no, there's no room for... It's okay, you know, like yeah, you have to love every single Jew. But if we, when you're putting someone in a position of of influence or power or 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 you know of where he's affecting a lot of people, that there's no room for that. You have to be really, really careful about who's doing that. And that's you know that's just how it is. And it's 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 not like people are gonna say like how can you treat someone like that? It's it's not a question of treating somebody like that. This this is kosher. We're talking about you know it's it's food. It comes into your body. It becomes a part of you. And uh, you only put that in the, ha in the hands of the, the, the right people. Yes. Exactly, yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, my brother asks, uh, it's so funny. Come He asks, because uh, we mentioned that demons came in and... Um, for the rock, different, for the different stones. Uh -huh. He asked if there are good demons. I mean, the way I look at Shadim in general is that they actually, they're, they're pretty much doing God's bidding, just a lot of times they interact in a, in a, in a less positive way. So, so I mean, for example, the story of, of the demon that went into the body of the king's daughter, right? Okay. Remember? Shimon Bar Yochai? Right, right, right. So it was a demon that came to help, but he, it was just a very unpleasant and negative thing. So I think yeah, we should look at Demons, at least some of them, there, there also are, yeah, there, many, there are considered, I'm talking to my brother right now, there are considered good, good demons, I mean, meaning, or neutral at least. I think the goylem... There's no such thing. What I mean by that is there's a goylem, I think, 
The, you know the golem that the Maharal made? But that's not a demon. Well, uh, the official name for that spirit is Yosef Sheda. That's okay. why they called him Yosef Golem. Um, maybe, maybe I'm already already drawing on the... I, I, don't, I don't actually have a source for that because it could be that part is... There's a lot of untrue things. The, the, we know that the, there's a tradition that we know that the Maharal actually created a golem. The question is, are all the things that are said about the golem true? So, but I, I think that it says that the name of, of that spirit is Yosef Sheda. So there's a concept, since we're on the subject, mm -hmm. there's a concept that we create demons by doing things that we're not supposed to. Yeah, there's there's Of course, when we're idea. doing a mitzvah, we're creating angels that w in, in, in the next world will come and defend us. Right. Our mitzvahs will defend us. And our misdeeds are the, are the demons that we create that will speak uh, against us. Sometimes, when you're doing something, when you're supposed to do a mitzvah and you don't finish it, what did you create? You created an uh, angel that is not, it's not complete. complete. So what is he? He's a spiritual being that isn't complete and forever angry at you. So when the time of judgment comes, he's there to blame you for not creating him complete. So that's what demons are. I want to make a disclaimer. Yeah. That chua fixes everything. We're almost an owl. So just, uh, yeah. By the way, you know that, like, there's incredible things, even negative things. If a person does the, the appropriate tshuva, says that tshuva me'ava, tshuva out of love, it's an it's a, it's a advanced level of tshuva, but everyone can reach it. You take even things that you did purposely against God, mm -hmm. you knew you were doing wrong, you did it anyways, and it turns it into... Uh, into You're talking a, about a complete tshuva. Yeah, but we, we can do it because, uh, because we skip that we're in a generation... I don't want to. I don't want to say things just from you know. In, in Yiddish, they say "boichsvar," like something that just comes out of your belly. You don't have any sources for it. But I, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of texts that say that basically, texts. There's a lot of, you know, from you know, divrater um, from the Rebbe, and just you see that nowadays, it's almost like we can skip to the loving God part. You know, somebody really wants to serve Hashem out of love. Our generation can can access it if we really want, and I, I really believe that. You know, because there are people who look at the generation, like look at people who nowadays kids, you'll you'll tell them off, you'll yell at them, you'll 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 say you're going to hell. It doesn't really work, right? And then when you when you come from the other direction, when you explain the beauty of Yiddishkeit and you explain. You know that Hashem loves every single one of us. And you see it, it; it wakes people up, and it, and it brings people back from. You know, it, it takes people who, let's say, are not so observant, and they want to be more observant. So uh, I think I think everything you're saying is true, but I think that our job now is to just increase in light, not not deal with the darkness. Be like, this is bad. This is bad. It is bad. But when you increase in light, automatically you're going to chase away the darkness. Yeah, but usually they say that the only time you can appreciate the light is when you've experienced the darkness. That's also true. <laughs> you can't tell the difference between them if you've never experienced well, one okay, or the so, other. So I think what you're saying ties into the idea of the Mokim Shabbat Tshuva Emdin, Ain Sadiqim Gemur Mechel Lamedet. Sadiqim, people who never sinned, they can't reach a level of, so, level of someone who sinned and then did Teshuvah. We're almost in Elul. Anyway, so um, 
Guys, I really enjoy this show. You know, you mentioned that. And since we're on the subject, mm -hmm. somebody that does tshuva, when is it completely complete? Somebody that does teshuva, when is it completely complete? Let's say your whole life, God forbid, you were a pirate. You were stealing and this and this and that. Your whole life, 30, 40 years of your life, you were stealing, making other people's lives miserable. Mm -hmm. Now you found God. Regardless of whether you found it through fear or you found it through love. Now that you found God, yes, you're not doing all the wrong things you were doing. But it doesn't make what you did right or wrong right. All the lives you've touched in a negative way, all the people whose lives you've ruined, how many people you might have killed or left fatherless or motherless or whatever, it doesn't fix all that. You understand what I mean? So when, what you're talking about, when your sins become your mitzvahs, when does that happen? How does this happen? Just by you in your own mind thinking, you know what, I'm never going to do it again or now I found God. doesn't make it right. It's a good question. Um, Doesn't erase 30, 40 years of you doing all the wrong things and, and, and the look, type of uh, consequences it had. You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I'll, I'll say like this. There's a lot of, most of the stuff in Teshuvah, it's only between a person and God. Only in the, in the world to come can, does, you know, does the truth actually happen. But it does say in many Sfarim, different, different, things, you know, different levels of tshuva, and yes, tshuva can erase even the worst of things. Now, what that means for the soul in the next world, it doesn't mean that all this, there's different, you know, there's a story of Elazar ben Yudaya, the person who sinned his entire life, and he was about to sin with a woman, and she, okay, says, yeah, yeah. she says, don't even feel bad about it, like, just enjoy this completely, and don't mm -hmm. even worry, because just like the, the, um, the steam, the, the, the air, that's coming out of my mouth is never going to come back into me the same way you, you have no way to go back. Mm -hmm. And then the voice comes down from the, from, from heavens and says, you don't have your teshuva. Uh, and then he puts his head between, between his, his legs and, and he cried and he cried and then he all dies. His uh -huh. level of teshuva was a level uh -huh. that he turned all of his sins into, into good deeds. However, because he didn't actually do any good deeds, meaning... It, I get it, I get he, it. And therefore there's a whole story he was, I think it's brought down that he actually... Um, but once again, what are we talking about? No, it's it's We're talking about a guy that spilled his seed. So his teshuva was to do that. But it wasn't his only sin. But but I understand. Again, what you do, my brother mentioned also this. Something something that happened between, let's say, you and somebody else. Okay, perfect. Well, example. What I'm saying, something happened between you and someone else, right? Uh -huh. is, is different theft. Uh -huh. They have to forgive you, whatever. But but at the end of the day, there, I think there is a level of two that, that gets rid of everything. However, but the story of Elizabeth Nadai is a good example where he still had fixing to do, but he also has such a strong, strong tuba that it erased all of his sins. Now, I, I don't, like, there's never going to be 100% an answer. This, let's say, talk, talk about a certain guy, and this guy killed this many people, and he this, can he, is his tuba going to help? I don't know, I don't know. All I know is that it says that the doors of tuba are never locked. That's a blanket statement. So that means that somehow... There's Teshuva for this guy. What does he have to do and what does he have? I don't know. It's a good question. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And of course, every single human being is looking for their purpose in this world and whatever they need to fix, it will hopefully be revealed to them. 
Right. So the question is, how do I know what is my main mission? I, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Um, for somebody who was born uh, into Chabad, his whole life, all he knows is this way of life. For him to keep kosher, walk in the park. Hey, don't assume, huh? <laughs> for him to, to keep Shabbos, walk in the park. He didn't know any different. Okay? It's, it, for it him should to come natural. All these, right. To yeah. He didn't know any different from, you know, his, all his brothers have been doing it while he was growing up. His father, his grandfather. He doesn't know any different. You know, we always come back to this topic. My question is, <laughs> how do I know what my ultimate, uh, 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 what's his, uh, goal is or, or what my ultimate uh, you know mitzvah that i'm supposed to complete in this world because for me to keep shabbos it's something new it's not easy you understand what i mean keeping kashrut i wasn't used to this it's even harder so does that mean that mission for me is my mission or does that mean because you were born into it and so it comes so easy to you that's not yours who's to say you understand where I'm coming from? Who's to say? And if I'm, as a Balchuva, somebody who's learning and becoming more observant, three, four years down the line, when Shabbos becomes a walk in a park for me, does that mean I, I've completed my mission? Do I stop now? I don't, of course. But my question is, where does it end? Again, every, every single person has their mission, has their... Right. And their... their you're absolutely right. The, 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 it's funny, I was having a conversation with my brother, mm -hmm. one who's giving all this info and, and mm -hmm. enriching this live because he's, he, he just said now that Elizabeth Jodiah, the reason why he was able to go into Gan Eden is because he had good deeds from a previous Gilgul. Okay. So again, but I, I just, he's like, he's like the third person who's not on the camera who's part of the show at this point. Thank you, Mandy. But um, what were we saying? No, yeah, so there's a story for example. Okay, this is a really, he mentioned this on the phone to me. There's, there's a story about someone who said, he told the, he came to the Rebbe and he said, what should I do that, I think it was with the Rebbe, what should I do that I, I don't want to learn? I don't enjoy learning. Okay. After four, so the Rebbe said, what should I do that I do love to learn? In other words, he, the Rebbe enjoyed learning so much that he couldn't find a, to a certain degree, he couldn't find a way to like work on himself to learn Torah. There's an idea of, 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 a hard work of sitting yourself down and toiling in Torah. And somebody who has a hard time learning Torah has access to that, whereas somebody who just enjoys it doesn't have the same access to that because it's, it's fun for them. So the person who's keeping Shabbos and who didn't keep Shabbos his entire life, he, of course, his, his connection with God and what he's, what he's serving God is much, much higher than the person who is... Uh, who, who, who is natural for him, 100%. That's why you have all these stories of the Baal Shem Tev, the Baal Shem Tev, there's, there's some shepherd who, 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 who's gonna, who, who's, who loves Hashem more than him. And he was curious, and he went to see this shepherd, and the shepherd was this guy who couldn't even read, couldn't have anything, but every opportunity he got, he did something for God, it was his whole heart. He did somersaults for God, he blew his trumpet for God, he got a silver coin, and he said, God, I wanna give it to you. He, he served God with everything that he had. And that's worth more than sometimes knowing and doing so much. It's the heart. It says, Rahman Ali Baboy, Hashem wants the heart. You know? So there's your answer. I think I think that answers your question. More or less. 
<laughs> Guys, take us out, Ilya. Take us out. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Hopefully, you will like and um, recommend to others. Um, hopefully, you find this informative and entertaining. That's right. I think this one was a good one. I really do. <laughs> I think this one... Uh, I think the cameras... Uh, guys, give feedback. If you see this, tell me how... If, if this... If this... Um, this setup makes it a little bit better. We're trying to elevate our stuff. And this takes a lot of investment of money and time of, 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 of learning, which you guys help me because I get to learn more during the week because of this. But um, please consider... I'm going to put a link in the description for a Patreon... It's only a little bit of a month and it goes a really long way. So uh, I, uh, I, I would really, really appreciate it. Let's take a vote. You guys let us know in, in the comments if Yossi needs a haircut or not. <laughs> I'm about to get a haircut. So I, don't know, I don't know if Ilya has time. Well, uh, he definitely needs a haircut before Shabbos. What's today? Oh, Wednesday. Today is Wednesday, yeah. Okay, guys. We love you. And uh, uh, smash that like button. Yeah. And definitely recommend to others. Subscribe. It's free. All this That's stuff is right. free. That's right. And uh, yeah, peace. Chavez. Good Chavez. Take care.